Hello everyone, my name is Sanjay Som. I am a scientist at the Blue Rubble Space Institute of Science and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Jacob Hack-Misra, who is also affiliated with our institute and co-founder. And he recently wrote a paper with Ravi Koparaparu entitled On the Likelihood of Non-Terrestrial Artifacts in the Solar System. It is published in the journal Acta Astronautica. Jacob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sanjay. So I'd like to talk uh, to you in the beginning in terms of understanding what started the motivation to undertake this kind of research. Well, sure. The idea here is, are there extraterrestrials in our galaxy? And, and if there are, how close are they? And how might we search for signs of them? And of course, we haven't found any extraterrestrials yet. We're hopeful. But so far, Earth is the only place that we know of that has life in the galaxy. Uh, and there's a lot of ways, though, that people try to search for signs of extraterrestrial intelligence. Um, the most popular one is portrayed in that movie Contact, and, and people like the SETI Institute search for radio signals. Um, perhaps there's technological civilizations that have the ability to do um, radio, uh, radio communication. We're doing this now, so we know this is a possible technology. Uh, but maybe that's not the only way to search for them. Maybe... Um, just like we're doing, we've sent a few probes out into um, the outer edges of the solar system. Voyager and Pioneer are a couple of these. Um, so it's conceivable that an extraterrestrial civilization might look at our solar system, among another number of others, and decide it's an interesting astronomical uh, target. And they might send an exploratory probe here to observe you know, Earth or maybe Jupiter or something else. Uh, but the point we were trying to make in this paper is if that's... A, a plausible scenario, at least it could happen, um, would we have found any of these artifacts? And the punchline is like, no, it's, it's a big needle in a haystack problem and there could be a bunch of these artifacts floating in our own backyard and we probably wouldn't have seen them. So uh, that's interesting. How do you do research about something that's only somewhat plausible? Well, now, this is a theoretical paper, I and I, I can talk at the end about what the follow-up is, and the follow-up would be a little bit more observational. Um, but so the theory is really we're just sort of doing a probabilistic analysis, um, and it's actually quite basic. It's uh, one of these probes might be on the order of 10 meters or so in diameter, you know, 30 feet roughly. They probably wouldn't be too much bigger than that just because of energy limitations uh, required to travel from one star to another. So are you, are you talking about extraterrestrial probes? Any kind of, if an extraterrestrial probe or an Earth probe. Now, of course, we're barring uh, any unknown laws of physics, but right. um, <laughs> based on what we know now, uh, there are energetic limitations for um, how you can transport a probe from one uh, star system to another. And, um, and of course, if you got much bigger than that, if you had you know, a very, like, a Death Star-sized probe. Like, that doesn't mean you can't transport a Death Star from one star system to another, but we would notice that. A, a, a small moon-sized object would affect its local gravity, and we probably would have noticed that by now. Um, so, within the class of realistic probes that humans know how to construct, they're on the order of 10 meters, you know, 30 feet in diameter. And so we really just look at that size and compare that size with some other volume, say the surface of the Earth, surface of the Moon, some region in space, and it's really just comparing the relative volumes and what's the probability, given a certain subsampling of that volume, what's the probability that we would have found a probe 
if it did exist. So now, of course, we're assuming there are no probes. Um, and so really, this is just asking how complete is our search of the solar system? Oh, okay. So that, does that depend on what wavelength you use to undertake that kind of search? Presumably, the longer wavelength would not detect the smaller probes. That's right. That's right. And even in our analysis, we were, it is dependent on the wavelength of, of your, um, your search. But we go even simpler and just it's a search resolution just in terms of some, you know, I guess it's the, it's the wavelength really, but really it's just how well are you searching? Are you searching to a resolution of a meter, of 10 meters, of an inch, of whatever? Um, so it's, it's actually quite simplistic and it's really just to make this point that we haven't searched our own solar system really very well at all. Okay, so what comes next? Like a more detailed search? To actually do a search. So this is not a search, what we did. We just wrote out some equations and uh, this is not a new point. People have known in SETI for a long time that um, that our own solar system is underexplored. Uh, so really the point of this paper is we wrote an equation to sort of quantify that uncertainty. Um, but the next step is to actually do some searches, and we've even submitted a proposal, which we're crossing our fingers for, um, which is to download some lunar reconnaissance orbiter data. So this is a moon-orbiting satellite. It's mapping the moon up to a resolution of, uh, I think, five meters. It actually gets as low as five meters resolution. So probably, you know, there aren't any alien probes on the moon. But if there are, we'd like to, uh, well, in any case, we'd like to go through this data and search for it and just look for anomalies. And in all likelihood, we'll find none. But maybe we'll, we will find some. Or maybe we'll find an anomaly that's not a, an alien probe, but it's something else interesting. But really, we're just starting to get data sets that are of low enough resolution that we could find these objects. So, yeah, so the next step is use some moon data and look through it and maybe look at some Mars data uh, in the coming years as that becomes available. And then also something I'd like to do is do some observations of Lagrange points. So these are stable places in orbit between any two bodies. So there's uh, Lagrange points on the Earth's orbit that are stable uh, there's Lagrange points between the Earth and the Moon. Any probe could basically sit at these points and, and remain in, fixed in the same orbit with a minimal amount of ex, uh, expenditure, expenditure of energy. So I'd like to you know, point a telescope at those Lagrange points, which isn't very costly, uh, and just see if there's anything there. It's, it's a long shot, but uh, you never know what you might find. Hey, it's worth a shot. I mean, such a discovery would be absolutely revolutionary. Jake, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, listeners, you can find out summaries of uh, Jacob's work on our website at bmsis.org slash publications. Jacob, thanks again. Thanks a lot, Sanjay.